You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Peacock and Williamson Friday. A little surprise today. I think we'll just reopen the mailbag because there's always more questions than we can get to on most Twitter Tuesdays, and there's some good questions to filter in through. Not a ton of news right now going on in the NFL as teams uh, do their mini camps in preparations to shut things down and, and get ready for training camp. So we do have a lot of stuff planned for the rest of the summer as we head toward training camp. I uh, have some guests coming up as well. We're going to be covering every team in the NFL before training camp and talking about uh, camp battles and uh, some really interesting storylines heading toward the preseason. And of course, any news, if any big movement happens or any big news happens with big names like Aaron Rodgers and those types of things. At BD Peacock is where you can find me, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL on Twitter. That's where these questions are coming from. Before we dip into those, Matt, I have a question. When we talked about your dynasty draft earlier this week, you traded away uh, a couple of picks. And in those slow drafts, when you don't pick for a couple rounds, you don't pick for a while. Have you even made a selection yet in the last few days? I have. <laughs> it was a slow stretch there, to say the least. I mean, because I think I'm pulling up my team right now. I I think we left off when I traded up for Elijah Moore. And that was the ninth pick in the seventh round. And I had just made the seventh pick in the seventh round, Tyler Lockett. I was super torn between those two players. So I had to give up a lot to move up. So I had made a pick at 105, 208, 305, 408, 505, which is, you know, the normal. Then I started moving around and I moved up for 511, made that pick, those two seventh rounders that I mentioned. So I'm short my next year second round rookie pick. That cost me some things. And it also cost me picks in the eighth and ninth round. So I went a long stretch there from Elijah Moore at 7.09 until the mid-10th round where I didn't pick at all. So, yeah, it was, you know, some of these picks take four or five hours. So, I mean, it was a long stretch of not getting a whole lot done for Team Williamson here. And earlier in the week, this is fascinating. I'm looking at your team right now. Earlier in the week, we talked about a certain player that's probably going to end up on a lot of Matt Williamson's fantasy teams this year, and that is wide receiver... Mike Williams for the Chargers. And he was still there for you late round 10 in this draft. And that's just like, that's stealing, right? At this point, because that's a 1,000-yard so. receiver with a good quarterback that can get the ball to him down the field. He's had a touchdown. He has had a season with 10 touchdowns. Like, this is a guy that could potentially be that wide receiver number one, taking over for um, Keenan Allen as Keenan Allen ages out of things with the Chargers and also in a contract year which is always a bonus right isn't this he's playing on his fifth year option if I'm not mistaken so maybe he he ends up on another team and they give him a bunch of money but I mean Mike Williams round 10 in a dynasty league he's still only 26 years old he'll turn 27 this year I mean, I love that pick, and that's why you wait on wide receivers. He could be your best wide receiver, even though you've already drafted three. You're right. Yeah, you might, I mean, he's the highest drafted. I mean, he's a top 10 pick who right now is the second option in a very good offense, or at least a good offense, with a very encouraging quarterback. A uh, new scheme uh, that might look at I him, mean, a new regime that might look at him a little different and say, why have we been peppering this guy with targets more and more? What, what don't we like about Mike Williams? That's the thing about Williams I keep coming back to is like, 
what is it we don't like about him again? You know, he's big and strong and fast, and first there's round been some pick. inconsistencies. What's that? First round pick, and your quarterback yeah. could definitely get it to him at all levels of the field. That's a weapon. Yeah, I mean, I know in the fantasy world, there was one of the years he had very few touchdowns, and everyone got mad at him. Like, okay, well, he probably will catch more. You know, I mean, and then in the dynasty <laughs> world, you mentioned his age, not to mention that probably, let's say he has a decent year. He's going to become a free agent. He's going to be on the tip of everyone's tongue. Everyone's going to be talking about him. Some team will give him $12, $14 million a year. And the dynasty community will be like, oh, we forgot he's really good. And then I maybe trade him for you know a lot more than I just paid for the guy. You know, like his value probably goes up during the offseason while he's a free agent. Do you, when it comes to fantasy big picture, do you hate having those decisions? Where now, so I'm looking at your roster, and and you've got starters at all your positions pretty much set. You don't have a kicker, yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, we know who your quarterback's going to be every week if he's healthy. We know who your running backs are going to be every week if they're healthy, and and one of your flex is probably one of those running backs. But wide receiver, you have a lot of competition. You have a lot of camp competition there uh, for that depth chart. It, one of the frustrating things for me as a fantasy owner is those are those decisions and when the better players on your bench yeah. when it's just a t- it's a f- coin flip on which guy you want to play every week and you can make some pretty good decisions and you know look at who they're playing against and all those things and it's good to have a deep roster but usually why I go with the stars and scrubs type of a roster and I do that sort of for fantasy or uh, for dynasty purposes too and usually maybe an extreme version of that where I'm trading a ton because I want to have guys on my bench that I'm not ready to put in the starting lineup but that could become something and I plug them in on bye weeks but I want to know who my starting lineup is so I can sleep at night because look, there was no other decision to make. Yeah, ideally. And I still could make some trades after this draft too, or package two of these receivers or a team that's short on receivers for one. That's a clear starter, things like that. I mean, and I'm with you. Ideally, if you can set things up that I know who I'm starting every week, that's great because there's nothing more frustrating than, um, I started Mike Williams over Claypool and Claypool outscored him and boy, I'm dumb. I should have known better, yeah. but I also take two, two views on that too, especially at dynasty where you're such a big roster. It, it, you know, I hear this all the time from people like I started the wrong guy. The guy on my bench blew up. I'm like, I want my bench guys to do well. I'm not rooting against anybody on my team. You want members of your roster to be bad. Right. I mean, were you, would you be happy if he didn't catch two touchdowns, even though he's on your bench, you know, like, I want everybody on my team to do well and make me look smart and make me money and raise their value for trades and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, ideally, it, it would be nice. And hopefully those things and the other point with that, because it's a great question you mentioned there is hopefully by week two or three, you realize who the studs are like the, 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 the a big thing I dislike or is really frustrating is let's say I'm 100 percent right on Mike Williams. He's a good value. And But I drafted three receivers ahead of him. I start those first three receivers I drafted the first couple weeks. And Williams really shines. And it takes me two more weeks than it should have before I realize this is his breakout year. You know, like you mm-hmm. look back and say, man, I had this guy on my roster who was a late round steal for fantasy. But it took you a month or two to realize it. Well, <laughs> then it didn't. There's a lot of points that you left on the board, you know. So there's some of that to it as well. And also looking at this roster, I don't want to talk too much about your singular dynasty football roster, but it's looking good. I I like this team. I think you are going to be one of the better teams in this league from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. And Elijah Moore is the interesting one because I think 
He's a rookie. So you give him the rookie yeah. treatment, right? You start him off on the bench. You start Williams and Claypool if you're starting two wide receivers. And you see what Elijah Moore gets you. But I want to say the last few days at uh, New York Jets minicamp or OTAs. I can't remember because different teams are on different schedules. Which phase they're at right now with the Jets. Get He's good reports. Great reports. Like dynamic. Yeah. Everyone loves him. And there was one beat writer that was saying not only is he getting open making catches, He's making plays in red zone drills. Like they can't stop him from scoring touchdowns. Like if if you're a smaller slot type wide receiver, that's the worry is when you get into the red zone, he's not even on the field because you're not going three wide or something like that. But he's getting open in those short areas and and getting open and make and scoring touchdowns. At least in in camp, I don't know if you can take too much from that. But all reports on Elijah Moore are fantastic, and he was a top you know thirty five player for a reason. Yeah, yeah, I really really liked him coming out of school. I think he's more than a slot. I've said this name linked with them as have others and, you know, Antonio Brown, and that's too lofty, but I do think he has some AB Steve Smith, you know, like just cause he's little doesn't mean he's only a slot. Cause he gets off press coverage really well. He plays in traffic really well. You don't have to manufacture personnel and formation to get him open um, at least at the college level. And it sounds like not in minicamp, but you're right. Um, you know, some of these skill guys, you don't want to overreact to the reports you're seeing now because this isn't the same game. I mean, the, the physicality is not there. But as soon as I heard those reports, that's when I jumped and really got aggressive to move up all the, you know, give up all that, 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 all those picks because just to get, just to get him. But two notes on that is I've had a lot of dynasty teams where this time of year you're looking at it going, Boy, I'm really loaded. I'm super young. Yeah, I got guys like Elijah Moore and, you know, on and on and on. But then you get to week one and you go to fill your roster out. I'm like, I'd rather have Robert Woods. You know <laughs> I can't I mean? trust any of these guys <laughs> like, right now. I can't yeah. check the box on this guy yet. I mean, I love him, but he's not going to score me any points for this year. And actually, speaking of the – actually, you know, hold on. Coming up, we'll, we'll talk about the Jets. I want to talk – I want to go throwback okay. with an old rookie prospect that – blew up early in his career, and I'm talking early, like one week of his career, and then disappeared for the rest of his career. Uh, and see if you remember this guy, Matt. I'm sure you do. Uh, I want to talk actually a little bit more about this Jets depth chart, and I want to talk about another rookie who's getting rave reviews in camp and your questions coming up. Let me tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, even all your UFC, MMA action. They got so much going on here. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. It's super easy. And check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps for their runs for the playoffs as well. Uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on all one word all caps locked on that's 50% welcome bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts New York Jets got me thinking on a couple of ideas here first so Elijah Moore right now I mean he could start week one he's the rookie he could be the fourth wide receiver because remember they spent money in free agency on Corey Davis they already have Jamison Crowder as your slot weapon you're not going to sit Jamison Crowder right and then they drafted Denzel Mims in the second round last year it's a new head coach but it's the same GM that just drafted Denzel Mims who I like is that you know ex outside wide receiver that can get down the field make big plays with Zach Wilson's strong arm so 
I don't know about playing time early for these guys. You know Corey Davis is going to be on the field because they paid him. Denzel Mims was a high pick. Elijah Moore was a high pick. Both second rounders. Jameson Crowder's paid. I feel like they're probably shopping Jameson Crowder and another team if you need a slot guy. Jameson Crowder's got to be a name that's potentially on the move before camp. Yeah, and they're not cash-strapped enough that it makes a ton of sense to cut him because you could save money, and, and people don't realize this too. I mean, if you cut Jamison Crowder, I think he saved like $8 million, give or take, something along those lines, which I don't know if he's worth $8 million or not. But they have a lot of cap space to play with now, but they could also roll that $8 million over to next year and give themselves even more. I mean, cap space rolls over, which I have mixed feelings about overall. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I, I think Crowder is certainly a target for other teams, but they don't have to give them away. They're in a nice enough shape that it's not like, okay, he's not worth the $8 million. I think it's $8 million. But we don't have to move them because there's no one else we're really looking to sign or that we don't have to dedicate that money elsewhere. But if someone gives us a reasonable pick for him, fourth maybe, I mean, maybe even a fifth, we'll take it, you know, get him off the books, roll that money elsewhere. And but I, I don't think you cut him. I think he's too good for that. We see too many injuries, too. So, you know, you have four yeah. wide receivers. Uh, you wake up one day in week three and now you have two wide receivers. So depth is definitely not a bad thing. No, no, you're right. And. The other thing is, too, do we think the Jets are going to be in the playoff hunt or the Super Bowl hunt? I mean, probably not. I mean, I think they have a chance to have a good year and improve. But come trade deadline, someone who lost their slot receiver that is in the hunt says, or the Packers or somebody like that calls you and says, how about we give you a three for Crowder? Right. Yeah. And so maybe a trade deadline piece. So you definitely don't want to give him away if you can fit him underneath the cap. And he's probably good for helping those young receivers and helping a guy like Elijah Moore and showing him the ropes in the NFL, what it's like to get open underneath and in the midst of the trees. And then you got Corey Davis to help him uh, get open on the outside. So, yeah, not a bad situation to be in. I like I'm just looking at their depth chart right now. And I say it all the time. I really like what's going on there with Joe Douglas and that New York Jets roster. Stock up for me for sure. And Sam Darnold's like. Oh, the Jets have too many weapons. I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, Sam Darnold's always like, okay, <laughs> you know so I mean? we're gonna we're gonna draft another wide receiver and spend a whole bunch of money on a wide receiver. Cool, thanks, guys. Right, although, trade I up for a guard after taking a tackle the year before. Wow, that'd be nice to although, have an environment to go into. How about this? Would you rather have Sam Darnold's Jets wide receivers in 2021 potentially, or Sam Darnold's Carolina Panthers wide receivers? I think I might still take the Panthers group. I would take the Panthers. I think DJ Moore is clearly the best of the group. And while I like and I commend almost everything that Joe Douglas has done with the Jets, I wonder if we look back at Corey Davis and say, he was a good player. I don't know that he was worth all that money. Um, You know, two years from now, is he a cap casualty, especially if Mims and Moore and these guys really step up? I'm not sure they're going to love that signing long term. I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't know that he's going to be worth the money when we look back two years from now. All right, here's a blast from the past. Here's a name. Do you remember Stephen Hill, the 6'4 wide receiver out of Georgia Tech, Matt? Yeah. I mean, he's a typical Georgia Tech guy, right? Like tall, fast. Um, They ran the ball so much in college. I'm not saying he's like Calvin Johnson, but not high volume at the college level. Was he a real athletic, freaky yes. combine guy, too? Right, yeah. yeah. 6'4", 215, you know, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson mold. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, here comes the next guy from Georgia Tech who was completely underused in college and is willing to block and is 6'4". Why right? do those receivers go commit there? It's insane. And and how do they get these types of athletes that can commit there? I mean, imagine what someone like Calvin Johnson or Demarius Thomas or Stephen Hill would have done at another 
program Anywhere that else. throws the ball a ton. Uh, and, right, and for right. Stephen Hill, he could have used a lot more development because he didn't turn out like Demarius Thomas or any of those other Georgia Tech wide receivers. And yeah, 6'4", 215, ran four threes. It was like, oh my goodness. Went in the second round to the New York Jets. And week one rookie year, 2012, five catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. And people were freaking out. Oh my God, this is the next guy. He ended up catching one more touchdown pass his rookie year. Uh, he got hurt, was inactive a little bit that year. Played one more year in 2013 where he only caught 24 passes, one touchdown, zero catches the rest of his career. So he started off wow. with two touchdowns, and I remember he was the biggest waiver wire addition. Oh, uh, I bet, yeah. And the people were going crazy for Stephen Hill, and he essentially had as much production in one game, the first game of his rookie season, as he did the rest of his entire NFL career. Pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Wow. I mean, I don't know what lesson there is to take away from that. There's a lot to unpeel because no. he did height, weight, speed guy, not a productive player, um, and I'm sure – I wonder, I mean, a guy like him, I didn't play on top of Stephen Hill today. I mean, it's an odd situation, but I wonder if, you know, whoever they played in week one, they probably told the corners and the defense that, okay, this guy's big and he can run. He's a, he's a rookie. Um, we don't have a lot of tape to go on him. We had a third round grade on him. That's what we know. And, you know, he has a big day. And then the next team watches all the tape and they're like, man, they should have pressed this guy. They didn't bang him around all the line of scrimmage. And, then you find out that you can't hit the curveball. You know what right. I mean? Yep. Yep. Exactly. You see that a lot in baseball. Guys come up and uh, hit a whole bunch of home runs. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a Yankee by the name of Kevin Moss that came up and just tore the league up as a rookie mm. and hit a bunch of home runs. I think he was rookie of the year and he disappeared because, yeah, you, you find out what they can't do and you got to uh, adjust to the adjustments. But I, I'm looking at this game right now is the Buffalo Bills 48 28 Jets. Rex Ryan versus Chan Gailey was the coaching matchup and it was. Quarterback Mark Sanchez throwing it all over the field that wow. day. Jeremy Curley and Stephen Hill putting up all kinds of points. And a 40-yard uh, a interception return from Antonio Cromartie on top of it. Ah, so <laughs> I bet Jets fans are like, oh, this Sanchez the Hill battery. I mean, that's Montana to Rice for the next 12 years. <laughs> oh we got this gosh. thing set. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No worries at all. Yeah. Hey, I got a quick baseball question for you that sure. kind of correlates to this, too. You mentioned, you know, hitters come up and they, they do really well. Do you think that's more true for hitters or pitchers where they come, go through the league once, you know, pretty much play every team, enough film that you can find out about them? I always think about it with pitchers, like, boy, this guy doesn't have a third pitch or, you know, but I bet it's as, as true for hitters, like. Boy, he goes after the high high heat too often. Yeah, I think it's both, and I think it's it's more based around the pitching. So when when you're a hitter, you can hit fastballs. I think that's you know you mm -hmm. get to the big league because everybody in the minor leagues are big time prospects. Not everybody, but a lot of them they can throw sure. hard. But it's the control and it's the secondary stuff. So if you're a, if you're a hitter, it's like okay, you can't you know I'll, you throw 98. Sure, I'll hit the hell out of 98 if it's straight, and you throw it in the strike zone. And, and actually, when you get to the big leagues, you probably see more strikes because pitchers have more control and then they start breaking off that curveball that runs off the plate and you start striking out a bunch and then you're back in the minor leagues and I think it's the same for the pitchers I think it's the same reason that it affects both pitchers and hitters is because the pitchers do the same thing you you got this big arm you were drafted uh, out of high school and you throw 100 miles an hour and you go through the minors and it's easy to strike guys out because they're swinging at pitches that are out of the strike zone and you can get by on your you know your one pitch but then you get to the higher levels and you get in the major leagues and guys aren't swinging it you're 
balls outside of the, of the plate and mm-hmm. you guys are hitting the fastballs that are over the plate. And so you got to have secondary pitches. You got to have really great control. And so I think it's the same reason for both pitchers and hitters, why uh, the guys that make it in the big leagues make it. And whatever you do best, you've got to get better at the things you're not doing well. And you've got to adjust to the adjustments because it's just like watching film in football. You figure out how you're getting beat and you've got to fix that or else they're going to keep going to it. You know, if they, if they know you can't handle 95 on the hands you're going to get 95 on the hands from every single pitcher you face every time yeah, I so yeah i think especially with analytics now oh like, absolutely yeah and, and yeah. They, they can look at that in a heartbeat and say well what are you striking out on okay well that's the pitch i'm gonna throw then and they don't even have to watch right. hours of film anymore to get that information this is the red area this is the green area you know i mean stay away from don't put it he hits the outside pitches to to right but the other ones the, the ones on his hands he can't get around on or whatever yep absolutely I, I, that, I have a follow-up question then because I, I hadn't thought about that, but all the minor leaguers, I bet there are a lot of great arms, but would it be easier if you're a one pitch, po- you know, one, one pitch guy, a, a pure heater, it seems like there's been some closers, Rob Dibble, you know, that, that just throw heat for one inning, get three outs. I assume that's easier than being a starter that doesn't have a second pitch. Yeah. Endurance is a big part of reliever versus okay. starter. So, you know, if, a guy who's a one inning pitcher might be able to hump it up a few miles per hour faster for the for the ah, short term, yeah. and then if you don't have a bunch of secondary pitches, then you might be heading to the bullpen because you might only need to, you know, that one pitch. You're a lefty, you need to come into the game and face that other team's lefty because you got that one pitch that's really hard for lefties to hit. But if you're out there for three innings, the righties would would tear you up. And so, um, yeah, and like I remember Rob Nen for the San Francisco Giants, he had the most insane pitch. Mark McGuire called it the illegal pitch. It was just this slider that came in in the low 90s and broke hard hard last second off the plate and it was just he could throw that all day and nobody could hit it and he threw hard so you had to you had to be ready for the fastball but that hard slider would just kill you and break you break you off so um but you know over the course of six innings if you only have two pitches and those Mm -hmm. miles per hour drop and probably it's bad on your arm to be throwing that hard for that many innings then it changes things so yeah those those pitchers that that can't develop a ton of secondary stuff but have one or two really unhittable pitches you can still make a nice career uh, in the bullpen. And you can guess right. If I have a 50% yes. chance that that slider's coming, I'm, I'm going all in on it on, you know, 0-0 and o count or whatever, or 1-0 right. and o count, you know, makes yep. sense. Yep. Pass rushers are similar. So are, you know, I was thinking, wide receivers coming off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I was thinking that a little bit ago. Pass rushers versus offensive linemen is, 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 is probably the closest matchup I can think that correlates to a pitcher and batter in baseball mm-hmm. because there's a lot of one-on-one there, and there's a lot of working off one move, setting up another move type of stuff. If, you, if you're an offensive tackle and you can't handle the fastball, then that, you know, and we see that a lot in college, why it's hard for pass rushers sometimes to translate from college to the NFL. You can run around guys in college just to you know, run the arm all day long and get to the quarterback in the NFL if they can get there what's your secondary move off of that can you win with speed to power can you uh, work inside with some other moves or do you have good hand usage so there's a lot of correlations there I think to from baseball to pass rushing in the NFL for sure yeah it's funny because you know Vic Beasley comes to mind I mean you can't just win with get off and speed because these tackles set too well they'll just push you right up field you know so a lot of guys that only have speed rushes and even though they run a four, four or whatever, wash out pretty quick and they're too easy to play against and you run draws behind them and big gaping holes. Mm-hmm. So you're hundred percent right. I mean, you, you have to have a, a rapport, which brings me to another strange sports analogy. And I don't watch, I, I, I watch very little NBA Pittsburgh didn't have a team growing up, but I always have it on lately watching, um, uh, 
the playoffs. I, I just respect them so much, and I've enjoyed it. I sit there writing articles or doing whatever with the game on. I don't study it. But I'm watching the Greek freak last night. And obviously, he is unbelievably talented. You know, I mean, wow. I mean, I've seen him before. It's not the first time I've ever seen a guy play basketball, obviously. He takes two strides, and he's all the way down the court, and he flies through the air. And I can't imagine what his vertical is and all those things. But he's not much of a three-point shooter, and he's not much of a foul foul shooter. So I'm sitting there watching him. I'm like, who is this guy like in in the NFL? And I want people to kind of write me back on this and tell me if I'm true. He's Derrick Henry. Like... He would have been Dr. J 20 years ago, but he doesn't catch passes. Right, yeah, one tr- like he just dunks everything. That's that's it's amazing He's how he can get to the hoop. crazy back, crazy. With, you know, but he doesn't do what the league does now and catch passes. You yeah. know, what I mean by that is doesn't shoot the threes. Well, yeah, right. And the league is skewing crazy into shooting threes and he's still a star that doesn't do that. No, that's a great one. I like that one. Like 20 years ago, he yeah. would be the best player in the league by far, just like Derrick Henry. Yep, Giannis. But, and, I mean, right. Yeah, and they're, but they're still superstar players, but they're very right. one-dimensional for they're what so they do, and they can dominate that one thing. I like that. Derrick Henry and Giannis. Come. Yeah. I love I was that. watching him. I was like, is he a quarterback that doesn't run? No, I'm like, no, he's a back that doesn't catch passes, but is totally freaky like Henry. Interesting. Okay, I like that. I, I did I not like expect that. the podcast to go this direction. No, too. not at all. All right. Oh, so who's still- the golfer and bowler that reminds <laughs> you of the centers? <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay, let's uh, let's finish up with a couple of questions. Pekaka Williamson coming up. I love Built Bar Day. Got a package in my mailbox today. Built Bar has delicious nine original flavors, but occasionally you get that limited edition flavor. Grasshopper cookie showed up. If you love Thin Mints, you're going to love the grasshopper flavor of Built Bar. Only 150 calories in this flavor with a whopping 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. The original nine flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate. I love the peanut butter flavors. Like All of the peanut butter flavors are awesome, in my opinion. Go so great with the consistency. Oh, yeah, all bars are covered in 100% chocolate so go to builtbar.com build your own box of built bars use promo code locked 15 you will get 15 percent off your first order that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com here's a question matt from a frequent tweeter into the show joshua says what's the difference between the washington football team and the steelers on paper i feel like there is very little difference between these two teams except the steelers play in a far tougher division matt what do you think Good is question. the washington football team the steelers of the nfc in a way yeah i mean i think i would take the football team's defense over the steelers slightly right this second Ooh, wow okay i did not expect you to say that i'm sure and i think i might take that defense over 31 other defenses to be honest with you i mean you had william jackson and jamin davis we know about the d line i mean the steelers have led the league in sacks three years in a row and i think washington rushes the passer better than they do now it's close they might be the two best in the league so i might give the slight nod to the defense but they're two of the top five in my opinion and maybe number one and two when it's all said and done the offense has some questions, but there's pieces there. I like the skill guys more than I like the quarterback O-line combinations for both teams. You know, Antonio Gibson 
versus Najee Harris. I can see some similarities, you know, right. So you as an impartial judge here, if the Steelers were in the NFC East, do you think they would have Vegas odds to win it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'd still take the Steelers. Uh, I'm giving Ben the benefit of the doubt that he's going to come back stronger and, and maybe mm-hmm. not be vintage Ben or anything like that. But uh, I think that's a huge advantage there. Um, I think the the weapons they have on offense and defensively still, I think you go position by position group. And I think you got Minka at safety. Uh, that's a question I still have with the Washington football teams is their safeties mm-hmm. and their linebackers. And, and both teams have really good defensive lines. Both teams have like otherworldly stud edge rusher like uh, TJ Watt and, uh, Chase, Young, and right. Chase Young. Right. So uh, I think defensive lines both strong. Maybe you give the nod to Washington. Uh, I, I like what's going on in a lot, you know, with both these teams. Obviously, both have some really good defenses. Maybe in a couple years you go Washington, or maybe even next year, or who knows, maybe by the end of this year you say, like, okay, they got this figured out, they got this figured out. But linebacker and safety, I think, is enough to put it Pittsburgh's way. And okay. I'll, I'll take the death rattle of Ben Roethlisberger over the death rattle of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Although, let me put a question to you. Ryan Fitzpatrick, how much better is that than what they ran out there at quarterback last year? So this is already a team that has a really good defense and already won the division. So they've they've right. got to be the favorites in the division still, even over uh, a Cowboys Dak team with a healthy Dak. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I would still take Washington, I think, even over a healthy Dak because that's the thing that you need to shut down that offense in Dallas is that powerhouse defense that Washington mm-hmm. does have. I, I want to answer the Fitzpatrick question in one second. But I do think there's value, and it's no offense to the Washington crew. Tomlin and Roethlisberger have won a lot of games in this league. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. like that—that that can't be, you know, just you know, brushed to the side when you when you're judging the teams. Um, the biggest thing to me about Fitzpatrick is I do think the fantasy community and you know analysts across the nation are overreacting a little bit to Fitzpatrick, you know, because. Most of his years, he's been an extremely volatile player, good and bad. But the beauty of him to me is he's not such a conservative check down Charlie that they had last year. You know, that the that we did the ADOT stuff the other day. The average depth of target will be so much better now. And you could utilize those, you know, some of them are new, Curtis Samuel and Deami Brown, those guys, that I think this quarterback will have much better use out of the weapons they have than the the guys they played with last year. Right, and even better weapons, too. You had Curtis right. Samuel to that underneath, and then you have Terry McLaurin, who's a stud player. Uh, I really liked Kelvin Harmon, who I think Torrey's mm-hmm. ACL, right, would miss all of last season. If he comes back strong as that other outside receiver, or they drafted De'Ami Brown this year out of North Carolina, who I really liked in the third round. I thought that was a great pick, so he could be maybe your outside guy to help out the other two. So weapons better continuing to add more young talent. This is a team on the come up. Maybe they do pass the Steelers this year, uh, but if they're in the same division, I would still have odds that the Steelers win it. I agree. And they might be the two quarterback, most quarterback needy teams in the offseason. Yes, those are both teams to watch absolutely in the offseason. Or who knows, maybe something crazy happens this summer. But um, that, that was another question that I saw on the Locked On podcast Twitter handle was, what should be the long term plan at quarterback? For the Steelers, do you have a quick answer for that, Matt? If you had mm, to say, that's okay, a this long is... conversation for another show. Okay. But I will say they are amongst the most 
which is never the case for Pittsburgh. They have more cap space than just about any team in the league. I'm not saying they can do it, but they could trade for Russell Wilson or Watson or Rodgers. I mean, like, it's possible. They can actually do that. They have the cap space. So it doesn't have to be a rookie. Well, that'll be fun. Okay, yeah, we'll talk more about their car. You know, we'll, we will talk a lot more about that. Uh, let's see if yeah. we can fit one more quick question in here from the tweets. All right, here's one. Uh, you're starting a team, and you get this from CM. You're starting the starting a team. You get to choose a 100 percent healthy 22 year old JJ Watt or Aaron Donald. Who do you choose, and why? CM Ooh. says Watt. Obviously, there's no wrong answer here. They're the best defensive players of this generation, maybe since Lawrence Taylor, who I think is the best ever, certainly since Reggie White. I mean, this is huge things falling out of my mouth here right now. Mm -hmm. And I actually think they're tied for how good they were at their best. I'm taking Watt, and boy, this is the splitting the, the thinnest of hairs, just because he can line up in more spots on the defensive line. Like, you're not lining up Aaron Donald outside the tackle, where Watt can. I think that's the tiebreaker is the versatility of yeah, Watt yeah. who could and you could line up you could line up uh, Aaron Donald as a full time defensive end and he would be awesome too you he know could be fine but yeah, right. uh, just a little bit of the versatility there and I mean look at this run you mentioned a twenty two year old Watt so here's twenty three through twenty six J J Watt he had twenty and a half sacks as a twenty three year old twenty and a half as a twenty five year old in twenty fourteen and seventeen and a half sacks. Uh, as a 26-year-old in 2015. I mean, Aaron Donald has had a really good run, too, but I think that run is is, is just a touch peak here. I do, too. I mean, that's. I feel like I'm discrediting Donald. but It, it feels it, wrong to say that because Donald is so darn good, and it's no disrespect at all good. to Aaron Donald. This is such a tough question, but you have to split hairs here to answer it. Slightly, I'll take what? I mean, the reality is the two of them could have combined for like eight straight defensive MVPs. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And and, uh, and counting. To, to be honest, Aaron Donald is, in some ways is kind of getting better a little bit later. So uh, that was pre-age yeah. 26, and Donald had never had a season more than 11 sacks. Then age 27, which is when Watts started to fall off, that's when Aaron Donald had his 20 and a half sack season. I know. He just took the baton and rammed. I mean, took off. It's amazing. It's an amazing stretch between the two of them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Um, and so, hey, stay healthy, Aaron Donald, so we can continue to see that, unlike what we saw with, with J.J. Watt. Yeah, who's next? You know? Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a whole uh, podcast it, themselves. Miles Garrett is it Chase Young, you know. Yeah, Chase Young. Uh, the the, the Boses, hopefully Nick Bose is healthy out there. Um, that's, that's actually yeah. another good topic for uh, – and, and to tease some more topics coming up uh, later this month, wider, like Matt and I kind of go through and, and – Take stock of wide receivers around the league, like rest of career, not who's the best right now, but which careers would you take the rest of the way? He talked about A.J. Brown being that guy. I think Justin Jefferson went as the first receiver in that dynasty draft. We could do the same thing about uh, defensive players or, or defensive linemen coming up. Which guys would you take going forward? I think those would be fun conversations that we should get into upcoming oh, yeah. all summer long. We're going to be here for you every day. Peacock and Williamson.